1: Here's your host, Radical Russ Melville.
2: Good day, Tokers and tokettes and non lovers of Liberty. It is Monday, February 29th, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. What a special show we've got for you today. We're coming to you live from Arlington, Texas at Dubious Studios, the home of DFW Normal. And I'm watching the late sun start to set here in Texas. It's actually nice to be able to see some sun being from Portland. You know how it gets uh, in the wintertime in Portland, all gray and cloudy, and rarely do you see the sun. So this has been a nice change of pace. But it's a special day today, and not just because it's Leap Day that it only comes around once every four years. It's because we just completed the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo at the Fort Worth Convention Center. And what a weird setup in that the day before we went there, Donald Trump was there, or Donald Drumpf, as uh, John Oliver is calling him. And, uh, Chris Christie had endorsed him there at that event, at that same exact convention center. We got there and we were greeted by police with canine units who were searching all the vendors and sniffing through all our bags, uh, and, and roaming, you know, there was, uh, on duty cops in the event, uh, Wandering around as well as undercovers. So it definitely was a Texas event, but it was well represented and had really good turnout for all of the events and all of the speakers that showed up. There was the Gridiron Cannabis Coalition, which featured Marvin Washington. Uh, former defensive end for the Jets, the Niners, and the Broncos, Jim McMahon, the quarterback who got famous winning the Super Bowl in 85 with the Bears, and Ricky Williams, one of the first NFL players that people associated with medical marijuana use. They were a part of a panel. Montel Williams, the talk show host and celebrity, uh, he did a wide-ranging discussion on medical marijuana and his multiple sclerosis. We'll get to some of those coming up later on in the week, but today we are focusing on the person who definitely stole the show, and that was 10-year-old Alexis Bortel. Her story uh, has been told many times in Texas of how she suffers from a form of epilepsy that is only helped by medical cannabis and not just the CBD oil that they allow now in Texas. She actually needs THC in order to become seizure-free, and she has by moving to Colorado. She is now 340, I guess it would be 349 days seizure-free, 48, something like that, uh, since she has gone and used the cannabis medicine. So she came and gave a inspirational keynote speech. She's an amazing public speaker. And spoke to about 2,000 people uh, on the need to end this sort of discrimination against cannabis-using patients, that they should be able to travel anywhere, and she'll do everything in her power to make that change. So you'll get to hear the keynote speech in our extended hour today. That'll be in the Radical Rant section. Also, we'll bring you my interview with Alexis Bortel. I got the chance to speak to her one-on-one. It is Monday, so we will get our regular dose of cannabis science live with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. We'll be talking to him in Albuquerque. Albany, New York, and we'll get his take on some of the latest studies that are purporting both good and bad to come from marijuana use. We've also got a a piece with little Lily Howard, another little girl, eight-year-old girl, who needs medical marijuana and her parents discussing the odyssey they've gone through with Texas's CBD-only law. We also spoke with two different groups advocating for parental rights in the use of medical cannabis. We spoke with Mama, the mothers advocating medical marijuana for autism, and We spoke with Canna Moms. All that's coming up on today's Leap Day episode of the Russ Belville Show, live from Arlington, Texas, right here on CannabisRadio.com.
1: This is the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
1: NORMAL stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News.
2: This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 29th, 2016. A strong majority of Canadians agree with the Liberal government's plan to legalize marijuana and half of them feel users should be able to grow their own pot at home, a new Globe and Mail Nanos research poll has found. Justin Trudeau first promised in 2013 to legalize marijuana, a drug that has been prohibited in Canada since 1923. The poll of 1,000 Canadians found that legalizing marijuana is supported, or somewhat supported, by 68% of the population. British Columbia leads the way with 75% overall support for legalization, while the plan has only 55% support in the prairies. A new poll suggests that staunchly conservative Texas is trending toward broader marijuana reforms. The Texas Tegna poll indicates 71% of the state's voters would support expanding medical marijuana treatments for patients suffering other health problems. Another 19% oppose the idea, while 11% aren't sure. Even Republicans, by a margin of almost 71%, support marijuana uses for medicinal health reasons. But Texans apparently don't want to see their state go as far as Colorado and other states that have legalized recreational use of pot. Almost half of surveyed voters, 49%, oppose that idea, while 41% favor it and the remaining 10% are undecided. A Texas Lyceum poll conducted last year indicated voters were about evenly split on legalization, but slightly more voters favored than opposed it by a 50% to a 46% margin. Monday morning, a stripped-down medical marijuana bill passed the Georgia State House 152 to eight. The bill opened up a cannabis oil treatment to a larger group of patients by adding six conditions to the list of allowed illnesses and diseases on the current bill. But the legal growth of medical marijuana in Georgia, the key piece of this legislation, was slashed out of the bill last week amid concerns by Governor Nathan Deal and state law enforcement. Florida seemed one step closer to opening up its medical marijuana to the terminally ill, but now there's serious doubt. The state has yet to dispense medicine associated with a law passed in 2014 that allows seizure patients to take a low-THC medical marijuana. A bill that would have allowed some terminally ill Floridians to use medical marijuana was ready for a full vote from the Senate last week, but it hit a major speed bump. Supporters hope legislative inaction means a constitutional amendment allowing medical marijuana passes in November. A similar amendment was narrowly defeated in 2014, The House's version of the bill, effectively affecting terminally ill patients, is ready for a full vote from that chamber. The Las Vegas Paiute tribe announced plans Monday to jump into the southern Nevada medical marijuana business. The tribe partnered with medical marijuana production company Ultra Health, which operates seven other facilities in New Mexico and Arizona. The tribe and its partners broke ground Monday on a 4,000 square foot dispensary on their lands near downtown Las Vegas. The plans also call for an 86,000 square foot production facility and a second 10,000 square foot dispensary on the Snow Mountain Reservation on the northern edge of the Las Vegas Valley. Last week, the Vermont Senate approved a bill that would legalize marijuana for recreational use in that state, authorizing the licensing and regulation of commercial producers and retailers. Unlike three of the four legal marijuana states, it would not allow home cultivation. A recent Vermont Public Radio poll found that 55% of Vermonters support legalization with just 32% opposed. The Marijuana Policy Project, which welcomed last week's vote, is backing a similar effort in Rhode Island. Unlike the Vermont bill, a Rhode Island bill introduced on February 11th would allow Home cultivation and sale of marijuana edibles. Struggling cities take note. A county conducted survey shows Pueblo, Colorado's commercial construction industry is, quote, clearly being driven by the burgeoning cannabis industry, end quote. The survey found that about 40% of all commercial building permits in the city and county were related to marijuana last year, and expenditures on marijuana related projects countywide were nearly $15 million. Quote, most everyone I come into contact with in commercial real estate is getting business from the cannabis industry, from realtors to engineers to contractors, end quote. County surveyor Randy Reeves said in a statement. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 29th, 2016. I'm Russ Melville.
0: The next generation of vaporizers has arrived.
6: This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Plattschorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com.
2: With over six years of experience in the industry, New Era CPAs is one of the nation's leading cannabis accounting firms, helping hundreds of growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies with their tax, legal, and business strategies. New Era CPAs' offices cover the West Coast from Seattle to San Diego, and their skilled team is always available to help you take your business to the next level. Visit NewEraCPAs.com for more info and set up a consultation. Welcome to the New Era. New Era.
3: Every strain, every cell, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network.
1: The world of cannabis is evolving
3: at a frenetic pace.
1: The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus.
2: Today in the Cannabis Focus, we're taking a look at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. It was an amazing event, especially considering the location here in Fort Worth, Texas, deep in the heart of Red State Prohibition. And one brave little girl made a trip back from Colorado where she can get the medicine that keeps her seizure free back to her home state of Texas to deliver a knockout Speech that we will be bringing to you in the Radical Rant segment. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But before she got up on stage for her speech, I got the chance to speak to her one-on-one. This is my interview with 10-year-old Alexis Bortel. Radical Russ here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, where I am so pleased to be sitting down with the rock star of the show so far, Alexis Bortel. Hi, Alexis. You just delivered probably the most bombshell speech I've heard, and I do these events a lot. You had numerous standing ovations. There had to be a couple of thousand people listening to you. How'd that make you feel? Were you nervous? I was nervous at
0: first. It was a lot of work just studying the speech itself. Yeah.
2: But um, it was actually really fun. Was this your first time doing a big speech like this? Okay. And have has anyone ever told you that you're really good at this? Like I I speak for a living and I have no advice for you. You did such a great job. Is this something you want to keep doing? Yes, I want to keep
0: doing this because that's my talent. Like I can speak in front of many and just
2: go blank. You do have a great talent for that. In fact, you even uh mentioned that you weren't going to stop your mission even if you had to become governor someday. Do you think you might go into politics? I, may. I may. Yeah, right. That would be something interesting, I think. Uh, you also uh, gave a mention to uh, a friend of yours who's a friend of mine as well, Vincent Lopez, who left us uh, last year. Um, do you think Vincent was watching? you think he's proud of what you've been doing? I'm
0: sure Vincent was watching, and I think he's really proud.
2: Can you tell us about some of the other kids uh, that you're trying to help out with Team Alexis? You mentioned a couple up, uh, up there on your speech.
0: Um, some of the kids just, like, and all the other patients, they had seizures or other disabilities as well, and they needed cannabis. They were refugees themselves.
2: Now, your use of medical cannabis, you mentioned how you know Texas has this law that has low THC and high CBD. That didn't work for you, did it?
0: No, because um, I need a higher THC level, 15 to 1, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, and Texas is a law only allows a certain
2: amount of THC. Ah, that's right. And so you moved out to Colorado where you can get you know whatever levels that you need. And you mentioned how many days you've been seizure-free now?
0: 346.
2: You are, what, 20 days away from a full year or something like that? Around 19. 19, something like that. Pretty much a miracle. That is a miracle. It's amazing. And what was it like for you trying to go to school when you had to worry about seizures all the time?
0: to the nurse's office practically
2: every day did it hurt your grades any
0: yes it hurt my grades but sometimes i would miss
2: tests yeah and now you've been almost a year seizure free how's school going now school now it's way better
0: because i have way less tardies um i hardly go to the
2: nurse that's great to hear uh so obviously you want to come back home to texas right yes and you miss a lot of friends and family here yeah, that's that's got to be tough. So the only way you get to come back is if these legislators fix this law. So what do you tell them? How how do you convince some of these people that are scared of it that they need to change the law?
0: I convince them by just saying my story just saying like how it helps many people
2: and it's illegal in most places and we need to fix that. You know, a lot of these legislators and some people are just afraid when they hear the letters THC, they think of the people who smoke joints and get high is it, It's nothing like that for your treatment, is it? You don't get any sort of weird feelings from it, do you?
0: No, um, it's medical. As far as I know, uh, medical, just the THC part
2: of it, it's basically what helps most people. And it's uh, in an oil form, right, that you're taking this? Yes. Oh, excellent. Uh, so you continue to fight with Team Alexis. We've got to get these legislators to change their mind. Uh, I heard your plans coming up now are going to be coming to the legislature quite often, right? Tell tell folks about what you're going to be doing here.
0: Um. So I'll go, every once in a while I'll come back and forth from Colorado to here to talk to legislators about how this amount of THC won't help. when We need a higher amount of THC.
2: And is it n- not just for kids that have seizure disorders, like other disorders as well?
0: Yes. Like-
2: Yeah, Crohn's disease. There's all sorts of things that it could help. Um, When you talk to other little kids, uh, other kids your age in school, I mean, do you talk to them? Do they know anything about this? Is this weird to them? Um,
0: Here in Colorado, I
2: haven't
0: told too many people. Yeah. Um, But in Texas, pretty much the class knew. And I think it was kind of weird for them just...
2: (laughs) Yeah, to to trying to figure out, you know, you're having this disability, you're having these seizures, and wow, here's something that helps. It's got to be frustrating to to think that, like you said in your speech, you're 10 years old, you figured this out. How come the adults can't figure it out? Um, they just need a razor, that's Just
0: that's all it comes to.
2: Does it feel... Strange to get so much attention, to have so many people like after the speech. Everybody wants to take their selfie, take their picture with you. Do you feel like a like a celebrity, like a rock star, a little? Yeah. Yeah? You get the the special back room, the green room with the chips and the sodas and all these cameras pointing at you. (laughs) Kind of fun, huh? Yes. All right. Well, I think you are doing great work and so much the so much good that you're bringing to this because I think a lot of adults when they hear it from adults like me. They may not. They may think I have some sort of trick up my sleeve. Yeah. I'm trying to trick them. Obviously, you're not trying to trick anybody. No. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And, and do you have any like uh, emails or websites or anything like that to tell people about for to help you out?
0: Yes, um, teamalexis.org. It's basically a Facebook site. Um, it's just about like uh, how it's been going and how it, medical cannabis can help others.
2: That's amazing. Alexis, I know you are going to get this law changed in Texas, and a lot of people will have a lot of gratitude for you uh, for helping them out because, like you said, you have this talent to speak for people, and a lot of people don't. A lot of people are afraid to speak out. So congratulations and great work with everything you're doing. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. I'm really honored. I appreciate it. Have a great show. Thank you. All right, folks, we'll be back with more from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo right after this. <laughs>
3: Might
7: have
2: gotten away with it, too. it wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. <laughs> well, I don't know if there's any dog involved. Oh, there was a couple of nice dogs there at the event, but uh, that Alexis, I tell you, that's a really, really talented girl. She's got it all. She's going to uh, really make a big difference in this fight, and I encourage you all to check out teamalexis.org and offer your support. It costs a lot of money to keep flying back and forth from Colorado to Texas. Stay tuned. We've got Mama, mothers advocating medical marijuana for autism, coming up next.
1: Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults.
7: It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact normal at
1: morml.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook.
8: Website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
1: Activism begins with act. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, day one. Radical Russ here with CannabisRadio.com. And I'm here at the booth for MAMA, that's Mothers Advocating Medical Marijuana for Autism. And we've got three lovely ladies here to tell us all about it. Tell folks your name.
5: Uh, My name is
9: Christy Zartler, and I'm from the Dallas area. I'm Amy Lou Faywell. I'm from Austin. I'm I'm Talia Michelle, also from Austin.
2: Fantastic. Thanks for being here and give our audience an idea of what mothers advocating medical marijuana for autism is all about.
5: Well, we're here because we want to change the laws in Texas so that our children with severe and, you know, not necessarily severe autism can have a chance to try this medicine that's safe as opposed to the things that they tend to be prescribed, which are not so safe, the antipsychotics. So, and we know that there are success stories in all the states that have legal cannabis, and we'd like to get some of that here.
2: One of the uh, first mothers I ever interviewed on this subject was uh, Miko Hester Perez, and her and her son got great relief from this. Are you all mothers of autistic children? Yes,
5: we are. Yes, we have teenagers. I have a 16-year-old. Mine's 16. My
9: daughter's 16, and my son is 10.
2: Okay, so being that you're all here in Texas, it's got to be pretty scary uh, dealing with this situation here.
5: Well, we're, we're trying to change the laws. It's not scary if you don't break the laws, So, but we are trying to change them because our kids need it.
9: That being said, I think for a lot of parents who really feel that they have no other alternative at this point it is scary they are committing felonies we don't advocate for that we're not encouraging families to do that but certainly there are families out there right now who are committing felonies it is scary for them and they shouldn't be put in that position to have to choose between committing a felony or saving their child's life it's not right
2: sometimes the choice being made by parents is to abandon texas and go to colorado do you know any parents that have done that
9: Absolutely, yes. We know several. There's a family we're working with now that moved from Oklahoma to Colorado. Certainly, Alexis, she's uh, not autism, epilepsy, but they've moved to Colorado. That's a very well-publicized story. But these families are very vulnerable. A lot of them are bankrupt from medical treatments. They don't have the money. They don't have the familial supports in these other states. They shouldn't be forced to leave their state, their family, their jobs, their homes. They're already vulnerable enough as it is.
2: What would you say that some people out there will go, wait a minute, didn't Texas pass a CBD law? Isn't there something to help these, these autistic kids?
9: Well,
5: autism isn't a condition that's going to be allowed for the CBD laws, and autism is, is definitely a condition that's going to need a whole plant intervention. CBD only may help a few autistic children if they were allowed to have it under this law, but, but the majority, we think from our anecdotal stories that we hear from California and Colorado and Oregon, they are going to need a whole plant.
2: Some of that THC balance for some of the autistic kids.
9: Yeah. Well, THC acts as a glutamate blocker. It's brought up, It blocks receptors in the brain that are uptaking glutamates. It's been talked about a lot in recent years that a lot of the kids are suffering from glutamate toxicity. The THC has anti-inflammatory properties. A lot of the kids have encephalopathy. It's not just about getting them a little stoned and calming them down. We believe that there's actual medicinal value in this, and CBD only is not enough.
2: So uh, this has just gotten through the Texas legislature recently. Is there a feeling that they will go further with this, or is there a feeling like they're thinking, "Ah, oh, we gave you CBD, now you want it all, you want everything"? What, what's happening with that?
6: Well, that's what we're here to do. We are here to change uh, people's ideas about what it is, what it is, and what it is as a medicine for our children. And we want to reach out to every mother in North Texas, or the state of Texas, or the nation, and have them, you know, learn. Uh, the same thing that we have learned about looking into, you know, research, research
5: on on this subject. Yes. So, And we, we certainly hope that the legislators don't say, you got your medicine, leave us alone, or that they say, well, we have to wait and see what happens because it's not supposed to be a complete deal till the end of 2017. We are hoping
9: that they will rise up and listen to the research and listen to the anecdotal stories. Here's the thing. Our legislators are supposed to be working for us. Autism is now 1 in 68. Every legislator in this state has children in their, in their constituency that are affected by autism. And if we can get enough parents to come forward and talk to these legislators, they're supposed to be working for us. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what their constituents think. And 80% of Texans are in favor of medical cannabis. That's what they need to be focused on.
3: That's
2: right. So let's get the word out there to the legislators in Texas. There's no initiative process here. It has to go through the legislature. Give people any contact information they're going to need to be able to look up more.
5: Can you start with, um, they can start with uh, www.mamausa.org. And they can also find us on Facebook under Texas Mamas.
2: There's three Ms in that mama, M A M M A USA.org
5: Thank you. Yes, there are. <laughs> I know how
2: people spell things on the Internet. Well, ladies, thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, any final words you want to give to our audience?
5: Support us. Go to
9: our page and donate. We need we need money to make this happen. Yeah, we do. Our parents have a lot of expenses as it is. We'd like to help families be able to get to the Texas Capitol. We want to keep the website going. We want autism as a qualifying condition across the nation, and it is going to take um, some resources. So anybody out there that's in support of what we're doing, please go to the website and donate.
2: Right. Thank you so much, mamas, at mamausa.org, and uh, for email, infomamausa at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us on the show. We appreciate your time.
5: Thank you, Russ. Thank you. Enjoy the conference. Bye.
2: Again, great activists there at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Mothers advocating medical marijuana for autism. Find them at mamausa.org, M-A-M-M-A-U-S-A dot org. It's a story I've been covering for years now, at least five years. I mentioned Miko Hester Perez, her son, I think his name was Joey. His autism caused a form of pica where he would eat his t-shirts. He would literally eat up his t-shirts. And another young man, uh, I forget the fu- Jaden, uh, oh, I can't remember the last name, who had beat himself bloody due to his uh, autism. All treatable with medical cannabis we got Dr. Mitch coming up next in Cannabis Q&A. Stay tuned.
1: This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
1: You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme
10: Court is wrong on the Second Amendment.
1: Okay, maybe you're high too. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. We're live from
2: Arlington, Texas here on the Russ Belville Show and joining us via telephone. We've got Dr. Mitch Earlywine on the line. How are you doing, Dr. Mitch? Hello, Dr. Mitch. Can you hear us okay? Oh, my goodness. We're having some sort of difficulty with the studio. Give me a moment here and see if I can figure out what's going on with the uh, connection. Dr. Mitch, are you hearing us all right? Apparently not. All right. Let me take a break and we'll see if we can get this figured out on the technical side of things. We'll have Dr. Mitch back on the line here in just a moment. Hey. Hello, Dr. Mitch. Can you hear me okay, Dr. Mitch? Not hearing me. Hmm. All right. Have to take a break. We'll be right back.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Russ, you Lucky Horseshoe me. Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing, as well as piercings and all around yes, I'm fun. hearing you. In the DFW sure you area, hear stop my yeah. Lucky Horseshoe Got Tattoo me. and tell them Radical Russ sent
3: Trust me, it'll feel
2: awesome.
10: <laughs>
1: It's time for the Russ Bellville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat, or call in to 971-533-7111 now.
2: Welcome back, everybody. We've had a couple technical glitches, but I think we've got them fixed and have Dr. Mitch One on the line. Are you hearing me now, Dr. Mitch?
7: Indeed. What is it like?
2: Oh, yeah. So many different things to switch here on the laptop, and I'm going to blame it on Texas. I'm uh, I'm in Texas, so... The, uh, the the problems are bigger in Texas, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> glad to finally get you on the line, Dr. Mitch. And, and good news here is we've already got questions coming in from our chat room. Very interested in hearing from you. We've uh, missed each other the past two or three weeks, but uh, glad to have you back on the line. So let's go straight to the chat room where uh, we've got a question asking, what is the best study that articulates why active metabolites in blood are a better indicator of cannabis impairment than inactive metabolites in urine. Hmm.
7: What's funny about that is it actually uh, is one of those sort of self-evident things that uh, actually was proven, you know, back in the 1800s. (laughs) So nobody's uh, actually comparing urinary metabolites with blood metabolites with cannabis anymore because everybody knows it takes much longer for it to get to the urine and it's just one of those things that you wouldn't even bother doing an animal study on or or getting funded that way. Uh, It's particularly curious because cannabis uh, basically has metabolites that are staying around in the urine so much longer than, say, amphetamine or a lot of other drugs, and so it's not something that I could even point to and say, oh, hey, yeah, this was just done in the 50s. It's something that everybody already understood uh, back in the 1800s.
2: Hmm. All right. Well, let's get to our stack of studies here that have uh, gathered since we've last spoken. And this first one got a lot of play, says that marijuana users are five times more likely to develop an alcohol addiction. Looks like they've proven the gateway theory there, Dr. Mitch. What do you say?
7: Well, it's so funny because it's actually kind of backwards in the the moving back in our usual gateway order where alcohol is supposed to precede cannabis use, but I do want to take this seriously because the the, uh, sample was really big and the uh, symptoms, you know, the diagnoses were relatively serious. So the, the alcohol use disorder that they were diagnosing wasn't just you drank a lot, but actually were suffering negative consequences. I think some of this has to do with just self-report bias. folks who are candid about their cannabis use are also much more willing, perhaps, to uh, mention that they're uh, struggling with alcohol. But this is something to uh, keep in mind. What breaks my heart is, as we've discussed before, we don't have a a statewide breakdown on this data set. And I'm worried that perhaps folks who have cannabis but not from a regular source end up occasionally saying, oh, well, I can't get any cannabis, maybe I'll have a few drinks, and suddenly sending themselves uh, down this path towards alcohol use disorders. So I'd really like to see uh, the data broken down that way. And then everybody who you know is using cannabis and alcohol as well uh, needs to you know take this in mind and make sure you're trying to keep uh, consistent with the American Medical Association's recommendations: two drinks per day for men, one drink a day per woman.
2: We've uh, seen some of these studies that have come out, some surveys that have come out showing less opiate addiction and overdose deaths in the states that have good medical marijuana access. Could there be a hypothesis that you're making here that the access to marijuana, especially in a a recreational state, could lead to lower incidence of alcoholism?
7: In fact, some of the crazy links uh, between, say, cannabis uh, accessibility and suicide seem to potentially be alcohol-mediated as well. So I feel like that is, uh, in some ways, the only way we can really answer these questions. And apparently, you have to jump through some extra hoops when you get these uh, national data sets in order to get it broken down by state. And I, I kind of... Got to admit, I'm a little suspicious when they make it harder to do that. But I think they're concerned about confidentiality. Mm.
2: All right. Well, let's take a look at another one that uh, again got a lot of play in the media. Chicago Tribune reporting on this one of the pot-related visits to Chicago emergency room or to Colorado, excuse me, emergency rooms are higher for out-of-state visitors, and they say you know a doubling of. Tourists going to ERs for cannabis-related issues. Uh, what's the breakdown on that? Is that something we need to fear?
7: I do feel like it's something we need to educate. And I'm grateful for folks who are you know making these edibles now with uh, much more serious warnings on them that are much more straightforward about the notions of the delayed onset of edibles relative to smoked cannabis or vaporized cannabis. And I feel like this has just got to become our public service announcement all the time. Uh, edibles take a long time to have their impact, and there's really no need to uh, experiment with heavy doses, uh, particularly when you're uh, in your first experience. So I think with better labeling, uh, I think most novices would be fine with a 5-milligram dose. They may have to wait as much as 3 hours in order to feel it if, if they're eating it on top of a heavy uh, meal as well let's just make sure that uh, that becomes a big poster in every uh, billboard and in every state that has recreational cannabis available.
2: Yeah, more education can always help. Uh, Start low, go slow, and recognize that even a professional pothead like me, uh, I'm pretty wary of the edibles. Uh, They can have an effect that you're not ready for. So be very careful, folks. All right, let's get to this study. Uh, This was from Washington Post reporting on this one, that smoking pot doesn't make you anxious or depressed. It never did for me. So what is this data telling us?
7: I was so delighted that this actually got some coverage because the null results are super hard to publish and super hard to get into the news. So we've seen uh, at least two other large data sets suggesting that Cannabis is not really leading to depression, and and particularly if you take out those self-medicating folks who were depressed prior to use, the links are essentially zero. With the anxiety, I feel like uh, the, the results have been more inconsistent, but this is a pretty large sample. And at least as far as a diagnosable generalized anxiety disorder is concerned, that's uh, also not uh, in a causal link or even in a strong enough association to make further use uh... further investigation reasonable i do feel like the social anxiety data that sort of subset that little uh... phobia if you will that might might still uh, stand out in the long run, but we know so many folks who use cannabis to treat social anxiety. I feel like there's something that's moderating that relationship that we just haven't identified yet.
2: Mm. Well, we'll keep our eye out on more information on that. Uh, there's brand new information being published uh, by Colorado State University, a study that points to cannabis's effect on emotion processing. And like I said, it just came out today. I haven't dug deeply into it, but it seemed to say that uh, us regular cannabis users have a harder time identifying emotional states in others, kind of an emotional quotient thing. Uh, Have you gotten a chance to look
7: into this? So this is actually pretty abstruse because they're doing the P300, this uh, special evoked potential sort of brainwave change in response to certain visual stimuli. And so I, I wouldn't say that we're necessarily worse at identifying uh, the emotion so much as we don't make the same distinctions from the brainwave brain point of view. And it tends to be with these ag- angry faces versus happy faces, it wouldn't stun a lot of cannabis users to, to learn that maybe they don't often uh, view angry as angry and could uh, confuse it with fearful, for example. But it seems like it's, uh, it's happening actually at the identification brainwave level, not just some interpretive bias uh, that's, that's you know, later down in processing. I don't think this is the kind of thing that's going to uh, make folks go crazy, but I do feel like it, it does sort of explain why folks who are in a state where they might need to be paranoid might uh, not show the cautions maybe they should.
2: There's another study being reported that says there's been no increase in problematic cannabis use, even after these states have legalized. Uh, is this data we can rely on?
7: So Richard Grusha is the uh, main author on this, and I actually uh, should have something going up on cannabis radio with him in the next day or two, or we'll really get into the nitty gritty on this. But somebody previously had suggested that cannabis use and cannabis use disorders had doubled since 2002, he points out that it may be anomaly related to the way these interviews are performed and that's face-to-face. What a surprise. It's harder to, uh, particularly in an illegal state, uh, say to an interviewer you've just met right in their face, yes, I use cannabis, uh, even if you do.
2: Gotcha. So they may have been under-reporting it in the past and now are just more honest about it now that it's legal.
7: I think that's the case and I think these other data sets that are showing uh, less of an increase maybe because they'd been using this computerized version all along, and so the, mm. the o- older data suggested things were uh, higher and potentially more realistic.
2: Hmm. All right. And finally, we've got a study warning uh, that Kevin Sabet's worst nightmare could come true. The pot industry could become the next big tobacco. It cites the ability of big industries to be able to write their own rules in regulations uh, and not just in alcohol or prescription drugs. Pretty much all of American politics. Uh, What do you make of this particular study?
7: So I don't want to uh, just toss it aside, because Stan Glantz has done some great work as far as tobacco problems have been concerned, and I feel like some of the warnings he's talking about, once you get through sort of the hubbub, are actually pretty reasonable. If you want more warning labels on marijuana products, I'm, I'm completely fine with that, to tell you the truth, as long as they're truthful. So uh, you think about the United Kingdom and how you know a pack of cigarettes there literally says smoking chills in great big letters right and so i wouldn't mind a, a thing on edibles saying you know this will get you really stoned i i, I think <laughs> if, you know that's the kind of if that's the kind of warm label he wants by all means that's completely fine but i just don't want these exaggerated ridiculous ones so you know the, the notion that marijuana is a gateway drug is not consistent with the data i wouldn't want that on a on a warning, and I think he's, you know, concerned that uh, big tobacco really did sort of ram tobacco down our throats. But we're talking about a very different plant here, and I'm, I'm happy to uh, have safety and testing standards uh, become, you know, industry codes, if you will. But uh, I think the the bluster around making these points uh, tends to dilute uh, the fact that there's really not that much he's asking for.
2: You know, we have that uh, rule in Oregon with our products that they have to put in a little piece of paper with uh, a warning on it that says that, you know, this could be bad for pregnant women or nursing women. And uh, last we've talked on this is it's kind of inconclusive. Is it is it right for them to err on the side of caution and overwarn about these things that we're inconclusive about?
7: It's funny because I, I feel like that's, kind of unfair, Um, and so if they use the may and the might kind of words, and and those pregnancy data, there is that one longitudinal data set suggesting uh, higher ADHD, but they didn't control for ADHD in the moms, right, so it's all this sort of amorphous confusion, so I feel like erring on the side of caution when the the potential downside is high makes some sense, but in some ways, I'd rather uh, just have... Uh, a number you could call on any topic and, and sort of get a feel for the data yourself. So that each person can make his or her decision, but making it an educated decision.
2: Well, you can learn more and get more educated decisions every week on Dr. Mitch's podcast here on com. It's Burning Issues. Check it out. And you can always email 420research at gmail.com. Thanks, Dr. Mitch. We'll talk to you next
1: week. Looking forward to it. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
3: Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Coming soon to a city
2: near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com.
7: I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it, and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate.
3: Radical
2: Rant. And now the star of the show from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, Alexis Bortel.
9: She is a Texan. She comes from a wonderful family. Unfortunately, she's been exiled to Colorado in order to treat her seizures with whole plant medicine, but she's here today to speak on behalf of many patients here in Texas, and we're very fortunate to have her. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present Alexis Bortel.
11: Oh my gosh. I'm home. My name is Alexis Portell and I am a Texas medical refugee living in Colorado, but I'm still a Texas girl. Before I get Before I get started, I wanted to ask for a moment of silence to remember one of my heroes, Vincent Lopez, and also Teresa, Tony, and all the other patients who went to heaven this year. Thank you. Okay. Let's get this out of the way right now. Yes, I am probably the only kid standing in Texas right now who can say in front of thousands of people that I use medical marijuana every day and my Republican parents are proud of me. This is me before epilepsy when I was seven. Back then, I was a normal kid, probably just like many of your kids. I had pet chickens, loved fishing, played golf, and yes, I spent as much time as I could hanging out with my sister and my friends. I was really lucky because I almost never got sick, which was good because I really hated going to the doctor. My life changed forever in July 2013 when I had my first seizure. There was no warning. I remember being tired that night, and so I laid down on the couch to take a nap while mom and dad folded clothes. The next thing I remember is kind of blurry. I remember seeing Avery crying and yelling, wake up, Alexis. And then I saw my dad reaching down before everything went black. When I woke up, I was in a hospital bed. Dad was talking to a nice lady doctor who said they couldn't help me at her hospital, but they were sending me to Dallas Children's where they probably could help me. In the hospital, they stuck me with needles, put me in a tube that made loud banging noises, and then stuck a whole bunch of funny wires on my head that smelled terrible. When I finally did get to go home, my parents told me that I had something called epilepsy, and that I was going to have to start taking medicine every day. I had never taken a medicine every day, and after a few days, I started to feel really weird. My hands and legs would shake. The blackouts happened more, and I was sleepy almost all the time. I told my parents about it, and they said it should pass in a few weeks. It never did, the fog never went away. About a month later, I started second grade at St. Joseph's here in Dallas, and it was really hard. My parents, my friends were still nice to me, but I could tell they knew something was wrong. Well, maybe it was obvious because I had to wear those wires on my head to school several times, but hey, they gave me cool backpacks so it wasn't all bad. My doctors told me until we got the seizures stopped, I couldn't, I shouldn't ride a bike, go swimming, or even climb stairs with my classmates. Instead, I had a seizure buddy in my class who was special just like me. Except she didn't have seizures. She just needed help carrying stuff because she had crutches. Every day I would carry her book back and and she would go everywhere with me to make sure I didn't fall, space out, or have a seizure. She was like a sister to me. I really miss her and hope she's okay. If she sees this speech someday, I just want to tell her thank you for always helping me. (laughs) At school, I was always afraid that I would have a seizure in front of my friends. It was very frustrating because my epilepsy was causing me to go to the nurse's office almost every day. I tried so many different medicines, I lost count. Every night, mom or dad would stay up all night while I slept in case I had a seizure. After a while, I could tell they were getting frustrated because the medicines and doctors couldn't help me. One thing I remember hearing my dad say to my mom was, what if we can't stop the next one? I didn't know what that meant back then, but I do now, and to be honest, I kind of wish I didn't. Finally, after almost a year, mom recorded a TV show for me and dad. The name of the show was Weed 2 Cannabis Madness by Dr. Gupta. I didn't know it then, but that TV show would change all of our lives because someday it will lead us to a medicine that stopped my seizure monster. After talking to my Texas doctor, we all flew to Colorado where I met three more great doctors. They all agreed that medical cannabis might be able to help me and that it was worth a try. When we got back to Texas, we decided to try to get the laws changed. After many phone calls, we finally got a meeting with my state representative, Scott Turner from Frisco. At our meeting, he wasn't rude to me but he did say he wouldn't help, and then wrote a statement saying he had moral concerns and needed to talk to people, including fellow clergy about cannabis medication. I remember thinking to myself, why doesn't he just call my doctors instead of my priest? But what did I know? I was just a kid. After this meeting, we started Team Alexis and kept meeting with legislators in Dallas and in Austin. I was starting to get a little frustrated until I met Representative Neistat, who offered lots of help and advice. It was so nice to finally meet a legislator brave enough to help me. He told me what I was doing was great and that no matter what happens, I should never give up. Unfortunately, my work at the Capitol ended because on February fourth, two 2015, I had the worst seizure of my life. I remember it was dad's night to watch me while I slept, so he was sitting beside the bed working on his computer when I went to sleep. Later, I woke up in the living room on a stretcher surrounded by firemen. They rushed me to Children's Hospital in an ambulance, and during the appointments that followed, my doctors and my parents decided that it was time for me to move to Colorado so I can try medical cannabis. After our move, Dad traveled back and forth from Texas to Colorado while he tried to get, help get a law passed that would help all patients and not just a few chosen ones. On March 4th, 2015, I finally got my first treatment of Haley's Hope cannabis oil. I have to say, it wasn't what I expected. With all the arguing in Texas, I thought it was just, I thought it was going to be a big deal, but it turns out it was just a brown oil in a glass bottle that smells like a skunk. No, it doesn't taste great, but it doesn't make me feel funny or sleepy like all the pills I used to take did. I went 33 days seizure free when I started Haley's Hope Oil. I got the flu and had a seizure on day 33, which was a bummer, but hey, 33 days was much better than the old three-day record I had on pharmaceuticals. My doctor told us to increase the amount of THC I was taking and I am happy to say that the seizures went away and today I am 346 days seizure free. only THC and Haley's Hope. That's right. No more pills. My life is so much better now. I am almost a year seizure free. My school and teachers know I take medical cannabis and they support me. I get to meet lots of patients and I've filmed three national TV specials that will air this year but most of all, I can do all the fun things I couldn't do in Texas. I can ride a bike almost every day, but the coolest thing is that I can finally go to sleepovers at my friend's houses. So far, I've been to four and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. There is one more big thing I have done. To celebrate 300 days seizure-free, we went rock wall climbing with ropes and everything. It was very scary, but my sister Avery and I did it without quitting. (laughs) I never thought I would make it a year without a seizure, but now it looks like I might. If I do, I need your help. I really want to go to Disneyland, but it isn't in Colorado, so I need all of you to help me convince mom and dad to take us. (laughs) It isn't all happy though. Team Alexis is made up of many sick people. Nova, Hannah, and I are all Texas, medical refugees who need THC. Yes, I said THC to help us. Texas's low THC law won't bring any of us home, and we need all all of you to remind your legislators of that. There is also the hard part of saying goodbye to people you care about and love. I have lost many friends in Team Alexis this year and it is very hard. Vincent Lopez, who mentored me and taught me to be nice to politicians even when they say silly things, (laughs) went to heaven this year before we finished fixing Texas's laws and I was crushed. Even today, after a couple of months, I miss him every day but I know in my heart he would never leave. Me and, and that helps me keep going even when I'm sad. I went to Austin to go to his funeral and several people told me they were sure I would finish his work. Vincent, if you are listening, I swear we will finish your work even if I have to become governor someday. been working on Team Alexis, I have realized that my story is only one of many. There are thousands of medical refugees out there who just want to go home. Team Alexis isn't just about me. It is about all of us. I say that Every patient matters a lot because it is true. I am no more special than anyone else and epileptic pa- patients have no more, no more right to medical cannabis than any of you. Yeah. Even at 10, I can understand how crazy it is that we trust our doctors with our lives but we don't trust them with a plant. I'm sorry if it offends you to hear me say this, but the law doesn't make any sense, and it is time to change it. I only hope that if a kid can figure this out, then so can a legislator. Before I go, I want to send a message to all Texas legislators and Governor Abbott. I know you thought passing a low THC bill would bring the refugees home, but it won't, and it probably never will. I will be making many day trips around Texas and to Austin as Team Alexis prepares for its next session. I will keep calling you and hope to meet you all. Without your help, I will never be able to live in Texas again, and neither will my refugee friends. Think about it. What if I were your daughter or granddaughter? Would you help me then? Also to the many people here who are on our team, I want you to know that I appreciate everything you do to help us. Only by working together will we finally end Texas's war on patience, and trust me, together we will end it. Finally, to the people of Texas who are depending on us to get these laws fixed, I promise you that I will never quit fighting for you all. Someday I will come home for good, and when I do, I will bring all the Texas medical cannabis refugees back with me. Texans remember our fight is not over. It has just begun and I will not hide I, I Love you all and I will see you again very soon. Thank you
0: I love you all
2: That's the amazing 10-year-old Alexis Bortel delivering her keynote speech yesterday at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo to a crowd of at least a thousand, couple thousand maybe. She hung around for selfies and to talk with folks, did numerous media interviews. She was featured on the ABC and Fox affiliates. I see the Univision affiliate was interviewing her as well, and she helped. Held such great poise and determination, and she's obviously got, obviously got an amazing talent for public speaking. Incredibly photogenic as well. You'll be hearing more from Alexis Bortel in the future, I promise you that. That's all the time we got for this first hour. We've actually run a little bit late with Alexis's speech, but stay tuned. We got more coming up in hour two. Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines will be open at 971 533 7111. Plus, we've got more highlights including a visit with Lily Howard and her family, another medical marijuana patient, and Renee Petro from Canamoms. For everyone here at Dubious Studios and DFW, I'm Radical Russ, and until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
0: You grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth.
3: Yes,
1: not Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. Freedom. They're walking
3: on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the Animal man and Snoopy, Snoopy poop dog.
7: What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality.
12: Holland, is it real? <laughs>
7: We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years.
1: And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint, radical Russ Bellville.
3: All right, welcome back, Tokers and
2: Tokets. It's 6.10 p.m. Central time. Sun's starting to go down here in Arlington, Texas. I'm at Dubious Studios, the headquarters of DFW Normal, where our very gracious hosts here have allowed us to set up shop to do the Russ Belleville show. We just completed the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. That was held at the Fort Worth Convention Center. And my playlist is available now on my SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash russ. So if you missed any of what we've played for you, you can always go there to play it again and, of course, share it through all of your social media. And we just finished up playing the speech from Alexis Bortel, the 10-year-old medical marijuana patient, the refugee who had to leave Texas, make her way to Colorado so she can get the THC she needs to stave off her epilepsy. She's now something like I don't know, 17, 18 days away from a year seizure-free thanks to that medicine. And a point was brought up in our chat room. we got a great chat room out here at CannabisRadio.com. If you're listening on the page, just uh, click on the the player. There's a little – looks like a cartoon balloon. It'll be waving at you. You click on that, it'll open up a separate page so that you can get into the chat room. And in our chat room, a point was made. Uh, One of our chatters said – they aren't voting against her. They're voting against the skateboarder at the rap concert. For every one of her, there are 100 making the movement look bad. And I get the point and I've actually made that point many times in and in, it's interesting cuz today I got the chance to meet somebody, a uh, Texan who's very conservative. And I got I was just making small talk with him, talking about d- this and that and you know, dis, uh, disagreeing with him on the fact that America is not the number one nation in the world, statistically speaking, unless you're talking about prison population or military spending. And that's about it. <laughs> but regardless, it was very interesting because we got into dis- discussions of politics and he's an affable guy. Great to talk to. But uh, we got into this discussion of how I, I agreed with the point that's being made here in the chat room because. I can understand Texas mentality. I came from Idaho and I understand that mentality, and that is people aren't so much voting against pot as they're voting against potheads. Right? It's not the it's not the, the plant itself necessarily as it is the culture and the symbology and the the history that's behind it. And you know, Leland Berger, the great attorney in uh, Portland, Oregon, coined the term canna bigotry to describe it. Now it's exactly what it is. It's an emotional reaction to symbols. And that's why, you know, you get an Alexis Bortell up and she's gonna tug at heartstrings. And and frankly, this is why the whole CBD oil thing moved as fast as it did. Remember, medical marijuana passed in California in nineteen ninety six, and it was what, two thousand four or no, I gotta say two thousand eight before we had fifteen medical marijuana states. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm pretty close, though. It was late <laughs> before we finally reached 15, right? They went from the first medical CBD state in Utah in 2014 to having 15 of them within a year. And that's because the position was unassailable. Little kids with epilepsy, you can see them seizing, then you can see them given this oil that does not get them high, and then you can see them stop seizing and there's nothing involved in it whatsoever that would be useful as a recreational drug product. So it was unassailable. There was, of course it passed one right after the other. And now there's kind of a backlash with what Alexis is saying is this is actually kind of a cover. Well, she's not saying this, but I'll say it. It's a cover for these politicians to be able to say, yep, we did something about medical marijuana. We gave you the actual medical stuff, not the stuff the hippies want. So we're going to talk about that a little more when we come back from break here, because, uh, Since I'm live in Texas, I'm kind of feeling it. (laughs) I'll be right back after this. I'm Radical Russ.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. Trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com.
6: It's time for cannabis facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's thesilvertour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution, at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was cannabis facts from the SilverTour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com.
3: Maui, Wowie, Acapulco Gold, California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere too.
0: Helping Gondrepreneurs grow.
1: Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com.
2: Thank you, Dan Michaels. Welcome back. We are live in Arlington, Texas as it's getting toward sunset here. And uh, we were just discussing uh, red state attitudes toward medical marijuana. You know, this story with Alexis Bortel, a completely unassailable medical marijuana story. Little girl's got epilepsy. You give her CBD with THC, the epilepsy stops. End of story, right? That's, that's easy. That's unassailable. But where it gets difficult, where it gets murky for people that are still opposing medical marijuana is the fear that it becomes recreational, that it becomes the marijuana culture becomes a part of that. And there's an, there's an element to which that's impossible to n- separate. See, I've always discussed how there's a marijuana iceberg And it's like the people who use marijuana and support marijuana is an iceberg. And you only see the top 10% above the water. And that water line is prohibition. And that top 10% up there are going to be your artists and your uh, freaks and your libertines and your musicians and your activists and your advocates. And then a small part will be patients and their advocates and, you know, uh, just liberty-minded activists. Right? But generally what people are gonna see from that is the tie-dye hippie pot weed kind of culture. But they don't realize below the prohibition waterline that other ninety percent down there is mostly you and me. It is mostly people that, you know, we don't have a problem with other cultures and other people, but it's not us, right? We're just hard working people, sometimes called corporate stoners if you got a white collar career like I did. Or, you know, just hardworking people in, you know, restaurants and people working in janitorial, people working, you know, cubicle jobs, sales, clerks, all that kind of stuff. We just average, normal, everyday people. But we can't come out. You know, they're, they're the people that can't come out because you lose your job, you lose your kids, and so forth. So the problem then, it's, it's kind of a it's a conundrum, a paradox. Catch-22, if you will is that you need more of the out people to be offensive folks, but those people can't come out until it's made legal, and the people trying to make it legal are the ones that contribute more to the stereotype that makes it harder to make it legal for the people that don't contribute the stereotype to come out to make it, and then you're all caught up in that. So it's never going to be easy. You can't expect... The, uh, the, the grassroots element of marijuana reform to not want to be a part of it, what it becomes is trying to leverage the best that you can leverage in the public uh, eye and in, in the presentation. Back in Portland, I uh, used to work with numerous activists that they come from a long-haired, tattoo-pierced kind of culture. But when it came time to go to the state house, they put on a coat and a tie and a a shirt, you know, dressed nice, just as nice as they, they, they had didn't take out the piercings necessarily, but you know, they, they showed the effort and it's, it's like, you know, if I was going to go play pickup basketball at the, at the YMCA, if I showed up there in dress shoes that make black scuff marks all over the court, I'm not going to be very welcomed, right? You got to wear the uniform for basketball, you know, sneakers and shorts and a tank top, right? Well, that's what it is in legislating or or public advocacy. You get, there's a uniform that's worn. Whether you like it is irrelevant, right? i bet a lot of those baseball managers don't like wearing tights, but it's irrelevant. That's the uniform you wear when you go to work and you can, you can look at it as putting on a uniform, look at it as going into battle. I mean, I, I get frustrated sometimes by the the folks that they like, gotta like me just as I am, and I'm gonna show up in my tie dye, and I'm gonna wear a fuck the DEA t-shirt, and you know I'm gonna. Well, God bless you, but you're not helping, <laughs> right? There's a time and a place for that, absolutely, and understanding that is one of the hardest things we have to do as activists when we're trying to to lead others and get other people involved, is to uh, you know put the best foot forward, so to speak. But that was one thing that was uh, certainly welcome at the, the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo is there a lot of professionalism in it. Very professional-looking booths and, and great displays and great presentations by the people there. We've got a whole bunch of them we're going to uh, show uh, or we're going to play, I should say, on the show for the rest of the week. So stay tuned for the rest of the week for that. we got lots coming up. But back to this medical marijuana and, you know, there's a hundred of them trying to abuse it for every one that's legitimate to me. I think that's inevitable. I think no matter how you want to divide marijuana into medical or recreational, it just can't be it's one plant. (laughs) It is hemp and it's cannabis and it's pot and it's marijuana. It's one plant. We can pretend and make lines to divide it, but they won't work because nature doesn't work that way. A law of supply and demand doesn't work that way. Your legislature can, can pass a bill that says pi is equal to 3.0 doesn't make it so. So I think we've got a problem in that you can never, you know, never artificially divide marijuana that way. And so any attempt you have, and, and people hate me for saying this, but anything you do to pass a medical marijuana law has to inevitably lead toward legalization. It's already happened in four states. And this is one of the you know things the opponents put out there. We can't pass medical because it'll lead to legalization. And I don't disagree with them. Because what keeps prohibition afloat? Ignorance about marijuana. What happens when you legalize medical marijuana? People become less ignorant about it. What will be their natural inclination after they become less ignorant? To end prohibition. And I've always been of that. You know, Yeah, let's legalize medical first, of course, if that's what we can get done. But after that's done, we're not going to stop, are we? No, we're going to point out how, hey, look, we gave a subset of people some marijuana and nothing bad happened. Why don't we give more people some marijuana and see if nothing bad happens? And of course, after we've got four states that legalize now, that becomes even more of of a of a concern. That becomes even more of a powerful argument. Now we've actually done it. We went from medical in four states to legal in four states, and oh my God, nothing bad is happening. In fact, we're making a lot of money. We're controlling a lot of what few harms there are through potency testing, labeling, those kind of things, educational campaigns. So as you push forward for medical marijuana, you you have to keep pushing forward to it, and of course you'll have people like you know, Alexis and other medical marijuana patients whose position is unassailable, but trying to draw the line, no matter where you draw it is going to have people on the, on the wrong side of the line, trying to find their way over that line. They can't not want to do that. And we can't fault people who are currently criminals for doing something that's not harming others from trying to find loopholes and ways to use a system to avoid being persecuted and prosecuted and incarcerated. You know, there's that, you know, well, there's the hundred skateboarders. I've made that point too. The skateboarders going to the dock in the tent to get their recommendation before the Cottonmouth Kings concert, but I'm not blaming the skateboarders. Hell go for it. You got a way that you can pay 40 bucks and not go to jail for pot. That's great. Now, what does that do to the medical marijuana movement? Well, like the chatter says it makes it harder to pass medical marijuana because people think it's just legalization. So eventually I think after we pass these legalization initiatives in five more states, we get to nine states with legalization, maybe 10 if Vermont passes its, you know, through its legislature. And then we get another Florida or Ohio and Missouri, maybe Arkansas, maybe Idaho passing medical marijuana so that we even if we get just two of those states we've got half the US states that have medical eventually this means that the debate has to be going to legalization because it'll be increasingly obvious that we got t- you know 10 of the 50 states you know 20% of the United States is is legal 50% of the United States is medical why are we even playing with this difference between medical and legal anymore let's start arguing about whether or not we should just legalize marijuana that's That's where I think that is eventually headed.
0: Hey, bud. (laughs) Let's party.
2: (laughs) Wow, man. I'm telling you, I'm jet lagged. The show's gone long. My timing is all off. We missed 420 by seven minutes. We're seven minutes late to 420, which means um, we are in imminent danger. We're going to take care of that danger with a safety briefing. We'll be right back with more from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo with Canna Moms.
3: right after this. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level, good morning, it's good news with cannabis nurse Heather.
4: This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world.
0: I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead.
4: And that quote helped to
3: give you strength.
5: Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather.
0: More
2: flavor.
3: Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog
2: stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool.
1: Warning. It's taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show. It's not your father's Woodstock weed (laughs) This is the Russ Bellville Show On CannabisRadio.com Welcome back everybody
2: Half past the hour here And reminding you coming up at the top of the hour Stoner Jesus takes over here live on CannabisRadio.com And I'll be making my way To Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo It's new location It's got two locations now. Heading to Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo to get the update on my back tattoo, we've got to add Anchorage, Columbus, Richmond, and a little Jamaican flag. So I'll be enjoying a little bit of pain, and I might just periscope it. So uh, if you're watching, following Radical Russ, catch me on Periscope enjoying some pain. Now, coming up next, we've got Lily Howard and her family. Uh, She spoke before... Alexis got on stage as part of a panel that uh, featured moms that were battling uh, to work the Texas CBD oil law. Uh, This is again from Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo just yesterday.
11: Hi, my name is Lily Howard. I am eight years old. I have a sister Harper who is five and a brother Seth who is one. When my sister Harper started taking hemp two and a half years ago, it changed my life. Instead of just doing things for her, I could help her do things for herself. My sister
9: my sister um- You're doing a great job.
11: Hemp helped my sister be my sister and gave us a family.
12: I'm going to try not to cry. I'm so proud of her. (laughs) Thank you. Everyone has a success story. Many of us sharing the stage today are speaking of how hemp changed our lives and the lives of our loved ones. And we are no different. At just two weeks of age, seizures started overtaking my daughter Harper's body. We traveled the nation to figure out why, and nine months later we were given a diagnosis of CDKL5 disorder. At the time in 2011, this rare and often deadly condition affected only 300 worldwide, Harper was one of them. Today, that number is doubled, almost tripled. Most with CDKL5 are confined to wheelchairs, cannot walk, talk, or care for themselves, suffer from scoliosis, visual impairment, gastrointestinal issues, sensory issues, and seizures. The worst part was hearing the words, no known cure. I can sum up in one word. How my husband and I felt about that. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. From that point on, we knew what we were dealing with. And we decided to honor Harper. By learning as much as we could about CDKL5 and giving her the absolute best life possible. Our hearts went out to other families that were affected by this condition and the symptoms of it, such as epilepsy. We launched HopeForHarper.com in an effort to share what we were learning with everyone around the world. During the first three years of Harper's life, I cried. still crying. No, I cried. I cried every day. I cried every day and I prayed every day that if God wasn't going to heal her, that he would take her. And set her free. But that didn't happen and when that didn't happen I realized that it's because Harper had a mission and then it became our mission to help her fulfill her mission. In the fall of 2013 I saw a documentary on cannabis use for seizure control and I thought well we live in Texas (laughs) we can have all the guns in the world But marijuana, even for medical use at that time, just wasn't going to happen. In addition, we couldn't just leave five generations of family behind. Those were our support system and we needed them. We couldn't leave the team of doctors that we built for Harper that kept her alive each year for us. Moving wasn't an option. After extensive research, we figured there had to be an alternative. And we found one. It was RSHO from hemp meds. Immediately upon consumption of RSHO, Harper's seizures were cut in half. Harper went from 40-plus seizures per day to none after six months of using RSHO. That is the moment when Harper stopped simply existing here on earth and she began to live. Her increased interaction, her increased interaction strengthened the bond between her siblings, between us as her parents, her other loved ones. It took her off the failure to thrive list. We were finally able to know our daughter, her fun, loving, and sassy personality. Harper could nod yes and no. She could use her assistive device and tell us what she liked and what she didn't. With assistance, she could ride a horse, a bike, swim. She wanted to be with other girls her age, dress up and have fun. Harper redefined what it meant to have a normal childhood. In 2015, she was crowned National America Miss Texas Princess Cover Girl. In my story, I hope that you can see at this point what is undeniable, hemp helps. I stand here today and I encourage all of us to help others lead by example. Whether it's sharing our unique stories to educate one person, one country, the world, we need to stop. Fighting and start unifying because hemp helps. For those who cannot relocate to a medical marijuana state, please tell them about RSHO. It's an option that's available to them in all 50 states. You can read about it on hopeforharper.com. We need to be giving people support so they don't feel isolated and they feel encouraged to try everything that is available to them. It is surreal that today we are standing at a cannabis conference together in Texas, because hemp helps. Because hemp helps. Cannabis encompasses many strains, and since each person metabolizes differently, one is not necessarily better than another. To me, it's like wine. Not that I drink a lot of it, but I know that there are a number of varieties out there and everybody needs to find the one that suits them best. Cannabis is the same. There are a number of varieties and we need to encourage people around the world to find the strain that works the best for them and that they take what's available to them because hemp will help them. If we as a cannabis culture cannot unify in respect, how can we petition, not fight, for what we already know? I'm going to say that again. If we, as a cannabis culture, cannot unify in respect, how can we petition, not fight, for what we already know? Hemp helps. We should be looking at cannabis as a first resort. Then, if needed, pharmaceuticals can step in and work with nature. Harper was the perfect balance of science and nature. She wasn't pharma-free, but hemp, without a doubt, improved and prolonged her quality of life. But it couldn't cure genetics. Sadly, January 8th of this year... Harper passed away. But cannabis left us knowing so much about her that we would never have known had it not been for her taking our SHO. We know her likes, her dislikes. I can tell you her favorite color, her favorite number, her favorite animal. We can do that because of hemp. Through sharing her journey on Facebook, Harper was able to help another little girl with CDK-05 in Brazil. That led to the Brazilian government's historic decision to approve RSHO for import, government subsidies, waiving of import taxes, and covering the cost of it under health insurance. Why? Because hemp helps. Harper left the world with one final gift. She donated the world's first 28-month daily cannabis use brain to CDKL5 and seizure research. She did that because Harper Howard wants the world to know that hemp helps. Thank you. Thank you. As I said when I started, everybody has a success story that's here. And I would like to show you via video Harper Howard's. Thank you. Medical cannabis may not be the answer to everything
9: for everyone, but it does help a large portion of our autism community, and our special needs families. Whole plant, just like God created, because the body was divinely designed, and what we need to achieve optimal health is here. No patent required. And my son deserves access. All our children do.
2: That's more from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. uh, Yesterday's proceedings at the Fort Worth Convention Center here in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm actually in Arlington coming to you live from Dubious Studios, the headquarters of DFW Normal. When we come back, we've got more highlights from the Cannabis Expo including Renee Petro from CannaMoms and a visit with our good friend and cancer survivor Barbara Humphreys coming up next right after these messages. Then make sure you stay tuned. Stoner Jesus is coming up at the top of the hour live here on CannabisRadio.com.
1: This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
2: When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, FiredUpLawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer. Or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com.
6: Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid.
4: I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling.
8: with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Development.com.
1: Pod 2.0 It's not your father's Woodstock weed <laughs> This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com
2: Sun's going down here in Arlington, Texas. We are live on CannabisRadio.com. Radical Russ here where we finished up the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Got a couple more excerpts from that conference. Make sure you join us tomorrow. I'll have more highlights, including my personal interviews with former quarterback of the Chicago Bears, Jim McMahon, former defensive end for the University of Idaho Vandals. Marvin Washington <laughs> he's also a pro football player too but uh. anyway this is Renee Petro from Cannamoms followed up by Barbara Humphreys. good day tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of Liberty Radical Russ here day two early in the morning on a Sunday at the Fort Worth Convention Center for the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo and I've come Back to a booth here representing Canamoms, and we're going to speak to one of the Canamoms right now. Tell folks your name
10: Renee Petro.
2: Hi, Renee, and tell us about Canamoms.
10: So, Canamoms is a group of moms that provide awareness of education about and access to alternative and supplemental health care options for the critically or chronically ill, medically complex, and special needs children.
2: So uh, with moms, then you're, you're uh, dealing with um, a lot of these uh, children with the intractable epilepsy with uh, other conditions that can be treated by cannabis oils, for example.
10: True. We're dealing with children of any ailment, um, not just epilepsy, cancer, um, any type of condition that would benefit from utilizing cannabis as medicine.
2: And uh, tell folks your name as well.
10: My name's Annalisa Clark.
2: Annalisa, how did you get involved with CannaMoms?
10: I actually have a daughter with intractable epilepsy that had failed all traditional medical methods there are. And so I was searching for alternatives and uh, tried cannabis oil, and it worked. But I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how, where. I kind of felt like I was on an island by myself. And I met these other moms. We all met online. We all met online just searching for a, a sense of community, searching for how to take care of our children and how to think outside the box and at the same time we were all not conforming with traditional methods or society so we were constantly having to support each other from being ostracized in by medical community teachers law enforcement legislators for wanting to do this with our children so we banded together two years ago and it's been a fantastic movement
2: Texas has had some movement on this with the adoption of a CBD oil bill. Can you explain to our listeners why that's not going far enough?
10: Well, I'm actually from Florida, and so we have a CBD bill that passed. Um, January of 2015, it actually went into effect, and we still have no medicine. Um, CBD-only bills are just a ruse to make the politicians think—or for the— so that the politicians can let you all think they're doing their jobs and, they, and everyone should be, you know, happy that they did something. And CBD itself is not going to help a very, very small percent of the, of the population. So it's a whole plant. So we're advocates for whole plant. We're advocates for domestic use, um, not imported things, but domestic, whole plant, um, CBD, THC, THC, whatever's needed, because we know that the entire plant and all of its components are important for healing. Um, and these CBD bills will never go anywhere. They're, they're not, they're, they won't be profitable for the poor people that are putting tons of money in them. And then all the patients that wait and wait and wait just for access, I fear are going to be disappointed when they see minute, minimal results. They might see results at the beginning and then they quickly fade. And then they won't have an alternative to go to because the legislation has restricted access to everything else.
2: Now you mentioned you're from Florida, so Canamoms is a national group, I assume. We,
10: are. we actually started in Florida, and we are a national organization, and we just started doing chapters. So if you go to the Canamoms.com website, you can actually start a chapter in your state or local community, and then we support you in that with all of our education awareness, our legislative issues, um, as well as our community with it, which is our goal would be to raise funds to have grants for people who need access to medicine, because even if it's CBD only, it's very expensive. And that's our other concern is even the states that are legal, the people who need it can't afford it. And the states that are coming online, no one's talking about this. And so um, our goal is to be able to raise enough funds that we can provide grants to people who need the medicine or need relocation, because it's a failed or an inactive rules in their state and they might need to go somewhere else. We all went to another state at one time and someone was generous enough to sponsor us and help us do that. And we want to be able to give back to others like we were given to.
2: That's beautiful. And as you've uh, been on this journey, has this uh, it's, I assume it's been incredibly difficult in a lot of ways. And uh, had this been your first foray into activism and politics?
10: Yes, it has. I had never, ever um, gotten involved with advocacy or activism, other than advocating for my children. Um, and the politics side was very interesting. I had never paid attention at all. And we actually had an amendment that didn't pass, lost by 2%. And I really didn't even pay attention to that at the time. And um, But we all testify in our state capitol. We go to all the hearings, we follow the bills, and it's very frustrating, because our legislators are not willing to listen. And I think we need federal movement That will force our state legislators to listen. But they're not listening to us from a state perspective.
2: Tell our listeners how they can get in touch with Canamoms, Because I know there's a lot of them listening out there and they want some support.
10: So if you go to Canamoms.com. That is the best place to go. And from there, there's a way to start a chapter or even to contact us for help. We have do have pages in different areas that are regionally specific. But if you just go to the can of Moms website, we are on Facebook as well. So you can like us on Facebook. It is an open community group, so it's not a closed group. And it is um, just meant for advocacy awareness and community support.
2: That's excellent. Thank you for doing what you're doing and standing up for all the parents out there that need access to this whole plant medicine. And thank you. Thank you. All right. Check them out, Cannamoms.com. I'm Radical Russ. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this with more from Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Welcome back to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. Radical Russ here on the floor. Day one in Fort Worth, Texas. And... Joining me is someone I'm really, really happy to see, Barbara Humphreys. How you doing?
4: I'm doing great. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. And what gorgeous hair you have.
4: Thank you very much. I'm so happy to have hair now.
2: Last time we had spoken, you were battling cancer. You were going through chemo. You'd lost your hair. We had a, a great interview. Ended up in my top 10 for 2015. Tell us what's been going on for you since then.
4: Well, as of October 2015, I'm now officially cancer-free. Yes. I'm finished with all of my treatments, so I haven't even had to go back to my doctor, and it's been fantastic, and I'm growing hair in now. It's about four inches long and curly. Yeah. Um, Now I am serving as the patient outreach coordinator for DFW Normal, so I'm getting more involved with that, and I like to help patients with as many resources as I can provide them with whether it be links for just financial help or I'm having people reach out to me for a lot of different reasons I try to help any way I can
2: how much outreach are you getting like uh, in a week how many calls are you going to get from people in Texas desperate for medical cannabis
4: I get several messages my inbox is always full um a lot
2: Uh, what what it seems like for these folks that are calling you it's got to be really frustrating and almost you know you'd be pessimistic as to whether or not they're going to get help here in Texas. Uh, are things changing? Are the legislators starting to get this?
4: I don't know. Um, no. I think that it's going to be a hard push. I think 2017 is going to be interesting. Um, do I do I think that we're going to get a full comprehensive medical bill here at that time or even a full plant bill recreationally? No. Um, I don't really know how long that's going to take. We need to get some of these politicians out Um, Some specific ones like Sheriff Travis and Denton and the ones that are really hard opposed to it. We need them out of office. So right now, you know, it's voting time. So we need to get out there and vote.
2: How has the reaction been from the public? I mean, you go around, you tell your story and are are the people of Texas starting to get it?
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, I get only positive responses. People warned me when I started this that I would get a lot of negative. To be honest with you, I really don't. Um, A lot of people are 100%. And I've even been able to talk my grandpa into the the value of cannabis. So, you know, I think a lot of Texas is ready for it. The people are.
2: Yeah, I mean, people think of Texas as the buckle in the Bible belt. But uh, the folks here are starting to get it, that it's a medicine and it can help a lot of people. Uh, So they just need to get... In front of their legislators, call them, talk to them, email them, let them know this is a medicine that Texans need to have access to. Uh, So, what's next for you? Are you continuing? You're continuing with DFW Normal? Are you appearing at any events or anything?
4: Well, I will be speaking of the March and May. Um, As far as events before then, I'm not really sure. I'm just there whenever they ask me to do whatever they need me for. Um, I'm pretty much here to work. You know, I'm an activist every day, so I'm here to do whatever they need. Um, and as far as that, I've just been doing art to pass my time because it, it's really calming to my soul.
2: Is this your art that we see here on the table? Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. they got the one that looks uh, like the Van Gogh, and, and uh, we got one that looks like a Texas flag with a, a, an eagle and a, and a cannabis leaf and an owl here, and there's some beautiful work here.
4: Thank you very much. How yeah. long have you been painting? I actually only started in August. Really? Yes.
2: Wow. <laughs> Thank you. You're doing great. That's amazing. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, Barbara Humphries, you've done so much for so many by getting your story out there and other people are going to hear your story and recognize, hey, she's like me. I-, I can get through this. And I think you give people a lot of hope. Uh, was it scary for you staying here in Texas? Did you did you have any problems with law enforcement during this time?
4: Yes, it was scary. And yes, I did have a problem with law enforcement. I also had a problem with CBS during this time because I have two young kids. Okay. Um, and so someone made a phone call. They showed up at my house. I was honest with them because I find it hard to lie in general. Um, I thought I was gonna have a lot of problems. Um, They were actually really understanding. They dropped my case, told me that um, if they were in my shoes they would smoke a joint too. So, I mean, even people in high platforms like that are starting to come around.
2: I think a lot of them, uh, some of these DAs are starting to recognize the negative public relations if they took these cases to trial. Do you think that had an effect?
4: Yeah, probably, I'm sure.
2: Well, Barbara, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Good luck with your art today, and uh, so glad you're cancer-free.
4: Thank you. Me too.
2: Yeah. All right. We'll be back with more from Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo right after this. Always great to see Barbara Humphreys and all the good folks here with DFW Normal. I'm live in Arlington, Texas. The sun has gone down, and we're preparing for the Stoner Jesus Show, which is coming up next here. On CannabisRadio.com, I looked up and realized it's just three minutes till the top of the hour. Better cue the clothes. I'm out of here. I got to head to Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo in Fort Worth, Texas, the premier tattoo shop in the DFW area. Thomas Barrington going to be updating my tattoo. We got to add Anchorage, Columbus, Richmond, and a Jamaican flag. So uh, pray for me, Stoner Jesus. I'm going to be in a lot of pain. For everyone here at Dubious Studios, DFW Normal, and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers.
1: This is the Russ Belville Show. The Russ Belville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at radicalrust.com.
0: You <GER> take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to Hey.